And hello and welcome to the Weatherman Report. I'm Brick Myers here, the Weatherman, and I got a special guest here for the podcast. I got my boy Tyler LaSalle on the podcast. What's up, everybody? All right, Tyler. So you know it's been it's been a while since uh, we've talked sports it and has. everything. So well, you know we just got we were just talking about basketball right before we got on this podcast. So let's talk about basketball, man. Like you know we got. The news of California sports not starting till I mean football's not starting till December. Yeah, CIF came out yeah. and said something about that, right? Yeah, exactly. And basketball's not starting till March. So, like, what do you got to say about that? Like the conditioning wise and all that. Like, how how difficult is it going to be to get back into shape? Yeah, but what we were just talking about is is how difficult basketball conditioning is, and I I, th- I do think it's going to be. I mean, these are professional athletes, but at the same time, like you have to maintain. A level of conditioning that is professional you know and if they're not playing games or doing official training like that's a big deal you know what I mean so so they have to make sure that they're staying on point and and maintaining that conditioning all the way through up until March and it's gonna be hard since they have they've been out for so long yeah Tyler and also you know you got to take into account different sports because every sport has a certain sure. different type of conditioning because that's true I'll tell you something, for me personally, playing three different, completely different sports throughout high school, playing water polo, basketball, and tennis, there's a totally different conditioning mindset. Because in water polo, you're swimming all the time. Basketball, you're running, but you're doing like little spurts of running at a time. And then tennis is just like little quick jolts of conditioning and make sure you don't run out of endurance. So I think that that's going to take a toll on a lot of people, people that are going to be going from football to basketball. And having to quickly get into shape for football and then quickly get into shape for basketball. Because I feel like over time, you know, over the summer, you play a lot of football and basketball. They usually have summer league or whatever for high school sports. And knowing that there isn't any high school sports right now, everything's kind of just like private training. If you can do private training. And that's about it. Because you can't really have any public, you know, full-on practices right now. So I feel like that's going to take a toll on a lot of uh, players. Yeah, that's a great point, taking into account uh, high school and collegiate sports. Um, personally, in my high school athletic career, um, going back to your point about how different sports condition, how different some sports conditioning are from others, um, so I, ran, I would run cross-country in the fall, and so we're training for 3.1-mile races, and that's a completely different conditioning than having to sprint up and down a basketball court for like 45 minutes to an hour. So that transition is going to be rough for a lot of people. And then I would go from basketball to track, and the races that I ran in track were like 800 meter to a mile. And that was completely different than cross country and basketball. So, you know, uh, conditioning for different sports, is it's, it is completely different. And it's going to be interesting to see how people handle that like you said um like people are doing private training you said is that a is that like a big deal right now like right now i got me, me i'm one of the assistant coaches at Lakinta high school right now okay and we've ran like two like more like really early because you know it's a desert you know 115 degrees by 10 a.m right but we've we've ran two practices it was kind of like more so a private session like at a public park so it's outdoors because right now California is pretty restricted on pup, you know, being indoors um, and being in closed spaces. So it's just outdoor, you know, where everyone's wearing a mask, all that. And are people tra- yeah. are you guys train? Are you guys like practicing with masks or do you take just just like off? some basic for an hour? 
you know, just like footwork stuff, you okay. know, just stuff like my dad would teach us when we were in middle school, stuff like that. Right, you like know. fundamentals. Yeah, fundamental stuff. Fundamentals. Make sure people are good on the fundamentals, because let's face it, how bad would we have been growing up if we didn't know the fundamentals? Like, let's be honest. Yeah, big time. Big time. Fundamentals are everything. I mean, to be a great athlete, like, some people would say you're just, you spend your whole career, like, perfecting the fundamentals, you know. And then you get guys who can, like, specialize in, in certain other skills, but... Like you said, if you don't have a, a great understanding and control of fundamentals in sports, then you're just going to be lost. You have no foundation. I mean, let's face it. I know this is kind of a, you know, this is kind of what an old person would say, that fundamentals beat athleticism every single time. You know? Yeah. I think I personally think, you know, you watch players that are so gifted that athletically, and then they'll get beat out by someone that's just, you know, not athletic, but fundamentally it just beats everyone you know i look at players in the nba history look at larry bird larry bird was probably one of the least athletic guys in nba history but hey the dude knew you know which pivot he was going to do he knew like what shot you know he knew like what position to stay in he knew where to be on the defensive end to be a good defender i mean things that you know a lot of people that are athletic and don't want to learn the fundamentals they they just hope that their athleticism takes them over the top of everybody else and let's face it in the nba everyone's pretty athletic yeah 100 100 you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna get to a level where everyone is on an equal playing field of athleticism and i think your point about getting great at the fundamentals is also related to hard work you know because like getting good at the fundamentals does take hard work and people who don't want to stress the fundamentals and just want to ride on their athleticism that's going to be an issue because if you if you think that you just have the natural ability and you don't need to put the hard work in, there's going to be people who do put the hard work in and just soar past you. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's honestly, I, I mean, I look at players nowadays, you know, like Luka Doncic, who's probably one of the best young talents we've seen in, since probably LeBron, honestly, for being... Right, completely he's, blunt he plays about for the Mavs, right? Yeah, Mavs, yeah, dude, yeah, crazy player. Yeah, no, he's. I mean, he's getting already comparisons to Larry Bird esque, but with like more of a point guard. You know and, who I thought he kind of played like when I was watching highlights from? I thought he played a lot like Dirk. Oh Nowitzki. yeah, and I know that's a that's an easy comparison to make because Mavericks. Mavericks yeah. But I was watching him and I was like, dude, this guy. Because Dirk's another guy where it's yeah. like. Not the craziest athletic specimen that you would see, but a guy who just, he's going to hit the mid-range jumper every I mean, he, single he time. Changed, Dirk, Dirk changed the game for all power forwards. Yeah, big time. Because Dirk, I mean, everyone kind of knew power forwards as being rebounders, being, you know, just right around the rim, being almost like centers, but that were way more mobile than centers. And right. they could hit some, whatever, 10 feet and in, they could hit the shot or whatever. Right, but, you would think of like the center on one block and the power forward like on the other block. Exactly, exactly. But Dirk changed that completely. Dirk, really, Dirk was one of the first guys to. I mean, I know it's kind of a European stereotype for sure. Them yeah, to be good it's, shooters. It's, it's real. But Dirk also perfected the the probably the second most unguardable shot in NBA history with his one legged step back. I mean, yeah, his one one legged step back fade away, whatever was just so unguardable because he'll see seven foot and you see players nowadays do it and you know that are way smaller than him and it still works like you know you get your leg right in front of a defender what's the defender gonna do you can't go around you 
I mean, yes, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's skyhook is still the most unguardable shot in NBA history. I would but argue. I would argue for Hakeem Olajuwon's uh, uh, the dream shake. Yeah, those little post moves, crazy. Yeah, well, and and you look at you know he's trying to teach people the dream shake, and it's just I just honestly think you can't be better than the master of it. You know. Yeah, there's some players I I completely agree. Like there's not going to be players who are going to get better at Kareem's hook, or exactly. Dirk's like step back, or uh, Hakeem's dream shake. Like they're going to have. Like, th- those are the staple moves, you know? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, that's why I think it, when Kareem was doing his skyhook, it was the most unguardable shot. You know, we haven't really seen another player really be able to perfect that skyhook other than really Kareem. Yeah. Yeah, and, Magic did it a couple times, but it's not the same. Yeah, as, as it was more of a baby hook when, when Magic yeah, exactly, did it, too. Exactly. It wasn't really much of a, I mean... It's not a skyhook. It wasn't really a skyhook, but, you know, Dirk, with that one-legged fade... You know, we've seen so many players try and kind of perfect that move. And honestly, I the player I thought that as a guard really perfected that was Dwayne Wade, if we're being honest. Because you watch Dwayne Wade play, you know, everyone tries. Everyone's most people will say Dwayne Wade's a top five shooting guard in NBA history. I yeah, personally I, I think. I personally I think. I personally think he is. Yeah. Because if you count, if you take into account defensively and offensively, I think there's no question. Because he's one of the best defensive guards in NBA history. I think he's one of the many players, uh, not only in LeBron's draft class, but just in the the time span that LeBron has been in the league that has been overshadowed by LeBron. Because if you look at a league, let's say we take LeBron James out of the equation, Dwayne Wade is like arguably the player of the generation. Skill wise, also you know, got taken of you know, in fact that there was Kobe too. So that's a, that's the other True. thing is Very Dwayne true. Wade has never been the best shooting guard in the NBA. Even in his best season, he oh, still didn't win the MVP. And you know that's kind of a fact that people take because I mean okay, so Dwayne Wade in that 2006 season when they won the finals played like the best shooting guard in the NBA. Probably yeah, one of the best players be, in the NBA. That would be the year that I would argue that he was the best shooting yeah. guard and player in the NBA. But I agree with you that throughout in, his in whole the, career, in the you other know, years, it was Co- it was Kobe. Yeah, it was, there's nothing cuz and th- look into what Kobe did. Kobe was honestly one of the very few players that could take what he learned and just perfect it. And that took all just practice cuz Kobe practiced harder than anybody. It was him and Jordan. Yeah, all fundamentals. Yeah, if you look at the two greatest players who I think are, are Jordan and Kobe, fundamentals are everything. Yeah, and, you know, the, yes, Michael Jordan and Kobe are both athletically gifted. Sure. And are ath- more probably more athletic than most players in the NBA are. But, you know, they perfected the little things as fundamentals. You right, know. They, didn't ex- they didn't expect their athleticism to take them. Exactly, and no player should, because yeah. those are the players that end up having short careers in the NBA. So many same players with, like that. Same, so same in most sports. In the NFL, you know, you got plenty of players that just hope that their athleticism is going to keep them above edge. But as a wide receiver example, you know, if you're not a good route runner, how how like you're going to rely on your athleticism for the whole part of your career as a wide receiver? So you're not going to last very long. Yeah, exactly, because. Uh, like we said, like you're going to get to the point where that athleticism, that the difference in athleticism between players is so small. You know, in college, you might be the guy that's like, you know, the star wide receiver and your athletic ability is uh, a lot greater than other players. But you get to the NFL and everyone's 
you know, there's differences, but there's not, there doesn't tend to be large differences in athletic ability once you get to that stage, I don't think. Yeah, another thing is, I think people don't take to effect, like, affect that, God, there's such a huge jump from high school to college to, I mean, not even the NBA, it's college to, like, overseas then G League and then NBA. Like, yeah, right. It's, there's it's, a lot of different stages in between those. Yeah, it's not just a jump. It's not like a one jump thing. I mean, even from high school, you know, you got Division Three, Division Two, NAIA, and then you got Division One. Like, right. And you also have the guys who are playing in uh, leagues outside of their high school leagues. Exactly. Uh, what is that called again? AAU. Uh, yeah, AAU. AAU. Guys and you have AAU. like the yeah. you have the. Senior, like, whatever, where if you graduate high school, you could do, like, one extra year of, like, private, like, it's like, what's what's that school? IMG, I think. I don't know. In, is, I think it's in Florida. This? I've never it's heard where, of this. It's, like, basically an, a, a t- continuation school or something, in a way, but it's more of, like, a basketball program. Not really a school, but it's more of just, like, oh, okay. a basketball it's program. It's schools, yeah. It's kind of like what Mount Verde is. You know Mount Verde High School, Mount Verde Academy. Never heard of it, but I know I know. They're like always, one. they're always a top five high school team every year in the nation. Yeah, that's like a like Oak Hill, Oak Hill. Exactly. Academy. Yeah. Okay. Like so nobody, nobody really thinks that they really go to school. Like right, I mean, yeah, let's face right, it. Right. Like most people think that these athletes, it's they're like Division One athletes, where you know, and I and I hate to say it like that because it makes it sound like a stereotype. I think it's okay though. I don't think. Like I, I do think that that's a that's a thing that's talked about, but I think it's okay. I think if you have that ability and you're working hard to become a professional athlete, like I think it's okay to accept that like that's what their career is or exactly, is going to be, exactly. you know. Because like honestly, you know, I I know that there are plenty of Division One athletes that are academic, Ameri- all Americans, and all that, but you know, I feel like it's just weird because you know they they're always on the road. Like professional or Division One athletes, yeah, they're right. always on the road, and they're always, you know, you're always kind of wondering like, how the heck do they do it? Like, yeah, in all honesty. Yeah. Like, yeah. how do you manage a full schedule of classes and then also practice three hours a day, have games? You're working out for like two hours a day, whatever it is. Like, you're always on the road. You know, it kind of makes you think like, you know, how the heck do they do it? Because I mean, I, I mean. Obviously, when I graduated from Westmont, I was one of the broadcasters, and I got you know really close with a lot of the athletes, especially the basketball players. Right. <clears throat> and you know, I kind of do ask like you know how do they how do they do it you know like and they're all getting like B B plus averages and mm-hmm. Westmont's a pretty tough school like it's not one of those like you know oh I can just kind of like put off stuff and. Yeah. Like, because a lot of the professors don't really give one to two cares about your personal life, honestly. Unless, right, like, they're not going to give you, like, the athlete yeah, pass. They're not going to give you, unless, they're, they're, don't get me wrong, there are obviously a couple that do. But most, unless, like, the coach really needs a player and, like, he's struggling, there's ways that teachers, professors at my school would, like, help them out. Not so much, like, oh, I'm going to give them the A or a C but like, they're accommodating. They notice. Here's my opinion on this: is like, if you're pursuing excellence outside of academics while in college, which is like what these athletes are doing, I think that is sufficient reason to accommodate them. You know what I mean? It's like if you're pursuing that excellence at a high level in athletics, then 
you know, that's, that's noble. No, exactly, exactly. And, you know, honestly, I know that they, the Vision One athletes, a lot of them have, like, tutors on the road with them or people yeah. are helping them out, like, with learning lessons or, and, stuff, and stuff like that. And I know professors will send them information on, like, what they need to know. And, you know, that's always a good thing because, you know, you have to accommodate that, you know, they're, they're working a job and not getting paid. Like it's yeah, not like exactly. this. It's, it's like, not this it's hard work. It's like yeah. it's not just playing a game. It's like it's playing a game at an incredibly high level. And actually, like ninety-five percent of the time that you're spending is not playing the game. It's yeah. it's getting better and putting in the work to practice and you know and become excellent at. I mean, at yeah. One thing. Think about it. Like football, college football. Yeah. Let's say an example. Even high school football. High school football, you play what? Ten games before playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. See, you work. All that summer, all that off time, working out, practicing, doing two a days, whatever, hell hell week, whatever. Right. For ten games. Right. For to possibly play an extra three or four games. College football, you're playing twelve games. And these guys work even more than these high school players. And they play for twelve games. And then maybe I think at most now is 14 or 15 right with the playoffs with the playoffs right. but but still it's it's, it's not inc- it's insane the majority of your time is spent training and like exactly. you said that is that is a that's a full-time job exactly and you know and football i think is one of the sports that losing really is the biggest deal in the world cuz yeah, let's face it you in, don't yeah in basketball i mean how many perfect seasons have there been in college football and college basketball in all honesty there's only been Two. It's a long season. You know, you're playing, what, 35 games before you get to yeah. March Madness? The last one was in Indiana, was the University of Indiana Hoosiers. And, you know, like, that's that was almost 40 years ago. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. It's not it's something just, that happens. It just doesn't happen anymore. I, the UCLA teams back when John Wooden was coaching happened all the time. But those were special teams. That was a, the greatest coach in sports history. Yeah, it's just, just coaching. the highest level of excellence. And... Let's face it. Also has some the best some of the best players in that were going to be NBA Hall of Famers playing at UCLA right. at that time. Right. Yeah. Just a special time. Yeah. So I mean, but it's difficult to do. It's a long season. Exactly. But like you said, with college football, it's like you lose a game, you, you could end up. That's huge. That, that could end up. You know, you're not going to make the chance of making the playoff. If you're a top five team, and you lose one game, that could make your chance from being in a the top four it's all of a sudden now you're playing in some random bcs bowl that you know yeah everyone likes to make the bcs because that's all that's important as long as you make a bcs it means you're one of the top best teams but you want to you want to make the playoffs yeah. you want to yeah. make the you play wanna, you want a chance national championship you want a chance at the national championship yeah and you know when you lose one game like that's crazy to me you lose it's one critical. game especially if you're a smaller school yeah if you're a smaller exactly. school they'll just bump you out of the bump you out of the top 25 and let's face it, now like with Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, like those are the three schools that automatically I think to my head that they're getting in. They're getting in like yeah. every year because yeah, if, if you're just, Alabama, you can actually afford to lose maybe one or two games. Yeah, no, that's like because they play such a it's a difficult schedule, difficult right? schedule. Same, I mean Ohio State sometimes has that kind of schedule. Clemson used to have that kind of schedule, not anymore because the ACC has been so bad for at least last three or four years with Florida State kind of 
hitting the bucket and starting fresh and you know not getting the talent that they used to have and right you know, right because right. Florida State like whatever it was five years ago was in the national championship winning a title and now they're not even in the top twenty five MIA yeah it's it's just crazy to me how sports can really just twist within three or four years just boom you lose just like one one draft class or whatever and boom it's over yeah yeah i was hearing it was like that with uh i haven't been paying a lot of attention to college basketball recently but i heard that uh college basketball is a lot like that now there were a lot of teams like completely missing in action from uh the top 25 that are usually there or at least the top 10 oh yeah no the thing is not every team gets the dukes and kentuckys of one and dones oh we got another bunch of five-star guys coming in the next year what do you think about uh, one and done, like that rule? Do you do you think that's uh, a good thing, bad thing, neither? See, I personally, I think that players should get paid for their likeness. I don't think they should get paid by the school. I think there should be like a, I'm, I'm not gonna say by the school, but if say like you know, there's people that want to endorse them, they should be allowed to do that. Because let's face it, these guys are putting in. So many hours. Full time job. It's a full time job. That, yeah. It's more than a full time job, and they're also doing classes. You know, I don't care that they get the education for free. Because honestly, like, let's face it, their education that they're getting for free. That's only like ten percent of their time. If we're being completely honest. Yeah. Right. The other ninety percent. Do you think that's why a lot of these guys do go one and done? Is because oh yeah. Like, why spend four years working more than a full time job for no pay when you can just leave the school oh, yeah. and per- go get paid I, for what you're doing. I personally think as soon as they're a f- good, solid, first-round pick, I think they're they're gone. Most right. players are. Right. Because you can't take the chance of going back, getting injured, or not playing as well. Yeah, that's true. Because then the pressure on gets on you. Yeah. Then yeah. the pressure's on you as the second-year guy or whatever, third-year, whatever, whatever your grade you're going in will go into. Just the pressure is so much greater on you because now it's like, oh, well, I was this. Now will I stay the same? Will I go higher or will I go lower? Right. Or not even get drafted at all. Right. Like it's it's. You're, you could be missing out on a lot of not only money but like life opportunities. Exactly. And so, do you think if players got paid for their likeness while in college, that they would they would think about staying three, three or four years? Because personally, I miss when players would stay. I, I, I kind of thought it was cool when players would stay three or four years and then you'd right. get players coming out of high school, you know, like the LeBrons or the Kevin Garnetts. Yeah. Because then no, you'd see, like, cool. these really good college teams with guys that had been playing together for a few years. And, like, personally, I miss I miss that dynamic. Yeah, I personally think that the NBA has kind of going in the right direction of letting, pl- like, college players come train with the NBA and, like, go summer league and see where they're at, and then the, they'll talk to NBA executives and see, like, where what they think that they could work on or if they would draft them or not, in a way. And, you know, then the player really has an opportunity to think, hey, do you think I should go into this draft? Or they go back and do another year of college. Which I think is a good, a good opportunity f- for college players to get better. And... Yeah, I like you know, I like that. That way, that way they can gauge where they are without necessarily making the one hundred percent commitment. To yeah, exactly. Because 
what, four years ago, they couldn't make that decision. Because as soon as you signed an agent, you were you were gone. Like, you, you had, as soon as you started training NBA stuff, like, you were gone. Like, it wasn't... Oh, really? So there's been a change? Yeah, they that. changed now that. They now, now they can train with okay. NBA. They can do NBA Summer League stuff. And, or NBA training, like, circuit or whatever, draft circuit. And then decide to go back to college if they really want to. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a good, I think that's yeah, a step I, in the right direction. But I personally think now this is kind of a a different thought, but I think it should be kind of like how football or not how football is, but how baseball is. Baseball if you sign to go to college, you have to go 2 years. But if you want, you can go straight out of high school. I I like I would like a rule like that. Because let's face it, like nobody wants to watch one like a one player play for one year at a college. Like we all want to see at least two years. Because let's face it, college basketball, the March Madness, is the greatest like m- month. Yeah, it's incredible in sports. It's incredible. You fill out your brackets. You pick your teams that you know. Uh, yeah, Cinderella you teams. Yeah, you know, Cinderella everything. teams. It's the best. Exactly, and you know and. Honestly, like, you watch all these college athletes that complain about, you know, college basketball players that complain about, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as March Madness comes along, they're like, man, this is this is exciting. Like, this is something, like, I really dreamed of. And, like, that's just something that I feel like gets taken away by the one and done. Because... I think so, too. I you know what? If you don't want to experience it, I don't think a player is, should be forced to have to go to college if he doesn't want to. If he's good enough, he could try and join the NBA or go overseas. That's what a couple players have done. They've gone overseas and played a year overseas. But, I mean, we've seen what that does to a lot of draft stock because, let's face it, we don't have a lot of footage from overseas. Like, unless you're LaMelo Ball, who's already kind of a easily a lottery pick, if not top three pick, if not the number one pick. I mean, it depends who ends up getting the number one. Even though everyone says the Warriors could get number one, but you know, it's a good that that's a lottery thing. You know, it's all random. Everyone has a chance to be the number one pick, right? right and right. you know, just because the Warriors had the most lottery balls in the lottery bin or whatever, doesn't mean they're gonna get it. Because I mean, Cleveland's got it a couple times when they have like a one in. Yeah, like there's always 50 a, chance. There's always a chance that another team is going to get it, and it yeah. probably you're right that has happened a lot. Honestly, I, I bet you the Knicks are the ones that really want it because the Knicks want Lamelo Ball, and that's where Lamelo Ball wants to play. Even though Golden State has said you know they're they're fine with whoever because they're talking about trading it and giving it to. Hope oh, I mean. They're hoping to get Giannis. That's like who they're hoping to get. They're hoping to get Giannis. So the Knicks are hoping to get Giannis. No, no, the Warriors are oh, hoping. The Warriors to get are hoping to get Giannis. To hopefully Damn, get the. Be, f- that would be crazy. Yeah, they're hoping they're going to trade. They were talking about trading the number one overall pick if they get it, or whoever they draft that number one or two or three, whatever they get, and then getting a package with. I mean, they didn't say Clay Thompson, but the Bucks said they would never trade Giannis unless Clay Thompson was involved in that trade. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Bucks, giving up Giannis is going to be a franchise-changing move that a lot oh, of Bucks, Bucks are going to go from first to worst. Angry, yeah. Bucks are going to go from yeah. first to worst, man. I think if you're the Bucks, I don't know. Even if you do have Clay Thompson in that deal, I, I think that's a rough deal to make. 
Um, uh, tell me about Lamella Ball. I don't think I've seen any highlights or heard. Oh, Lamella heard Ball, a lot about man. This He's, guy. He, he will talk about a guy. He went an extra So, as an eighth grader, he jumped a year and went played fre- as a freshman in high school so he could play with Lonzo and Leangelo. Because okay. Lonzo was senior that year, Leandro was a junior, and during that time period, you know he was only like five, ten, as like a thirteen-year-old or fourteen-year-old or whatever. Mm. But he was balling out as a starting point guard. That was probably one of the best teams in high school history. I mean, that team went undefeated, beat every single team in the nation. It's crazy they, that he jumped from eighth grade to playing high school too. Yeah, that's one of those like little leaps that exactly. seems little, but it's really not. Oh no, exactly, yeah. and. You know, Lonzo was obviously the best point guard in high school, and Leangelo was one of the best scorers in high school. And, you know, he decided to, LaMelo decided to go play overseas um, because his dad thought that, oh, you know, I don't want my my kid to play here or whatever. So after his sophomore year, he went overseas to... I think Lithuania. He took him and um, Leangelo, and Le- this is right after Leangelo had all the issues with UCLA and getting kicked off the team because he stole like a bunch of Gucci stuff in China. So, oh wow! I never heard about that. Yeah, yeah. No. So he was in that some like a deep. Big deal. He was actually in jail in China. Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! Like I him never and two, heard about this. Him and two this teammates. This is crazy. And like. Donald Trump had to, President Donald Trump had to go, like... Like bail him out? Bail, basically bail him out. He had to figure wow. out a way to get them out. And so that's basically what happened. Yeah, and that's going to be a... That would be a scary situation. Oh, yeah. You don't want to go You don't want to be in China and get arrested. No, no. They'll throw you in a concentration camp. Also. Yeah. Like, like communism? Anywhere <laughs> like communism, actually. no thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Anywhere communism or socialism, I, I'm I'm yeah, no, Audi. I'm, I'm Audi five thousand. Audi five thousand. Like, yeah. Hit but, the gas. Yeah. Hit the gas. <laughs> I'm going. I'm swimming my way out of that situation. I don't. Yeah. I don't care what I have to do. Well, good for the president for uh, for bailing him out because you know. Yeah. No. It was like the same thing happened with ASAP Rocky, the rapper. You yeah. Know, Sweden, I remember. Dude, I remember was, seeing that. Golly, man! Talk about a crazy like wow. Just but, crazy situations. But yeah, no, then LaMelo, you know, he balled out a little bit at Lithuania and, you know, and LeVar Ball was trying to promote Leangelo, be like, yo, my son's looking at how good of a scorer he is and he's the middle son. And nobody really looked at him because, I mean, UCLA, you know, he obviously played at UCLA, so he's not a bad player at all because, I mean, there was obviously D1 offers. If you, you know, if you're getting D1 offers, you're not a bad basketball player. If you're getting any not offers, really, not you're, you're not a bad basketball player. No. And... You know, he just balled out. And don't get me wrong, it was a league that LeVar made up. So it was a bunch of, it was a Lithuanian league, but, like, it was all of a sudden it was, like, the Big Ballers League or something like that, Big okay, Baller so Brand the, League. the dad, or, like, constructed He constructed league. a league so then his kids can shine because then they brought it into the America and then there was, like, the L.A. Ballers and then there was, like, a bunch, a few other teams and it was just to kind of show off his two sons that were playing it. Because Lonzo obviously was playing in the NBA. Right. And, you know, and, and he's I think. playing for the Lakers, right? He was, and then got traded to the Pelicans. And okay, so how's he doing on the Pelicans now? A lot better now. Yeah? Yeah, not having to live up to the whole Lakers mantra. And I think he gets a lot of 
I think it's too much crap, if I'm being completely honest. I think Lonzo is a f- phenomenal point guard. And from what I, from what I've seen, he's he's going to be a pretty good player. Oh yeah, he's already a, a very good defender, a good wing defender. He's got better court vision than most NBA players do, like most point guards. So what does he get? Because uh, he's not as. Why does he get ragged on? He's not a good. He's not a good scorer slash shooter. But this this last year for the Pelicans, he shot. I mean, we'll see it. You know, with the bubble and everything, the NBA coming back. Right. But. You know, he started shooting like over high thirty percentile of three point line from the three point line. Okay. And yeah, know, he was averaging like fifteen, yeah. right around fifteen points this season, and almost ten assists. How many years has he been in the league? Like three. Three. This is his fourth year. I believe. Okay. Because yeah, you got to give these guys a yeah. second, especially like with the whole one and done phenomena that we're talking about. Or if you're, you know. No, this like, is third year, yeah, it's third year. Yeah, like making those leaps between skill levels. Like, you're going to have to give these younger players a little bit more time to develop and find their game and find their rhythm in the league. Oh, yeah, no, it's. I think it's crazy that people think that guys could just walk in the NBA and be all-stars. Yeah, I mean, like, some guys can do that, but not even Kobe did that. Yeah, and Kobe, Kobe took two years. It took yeah. two years for Kobe to turn to the Black Mamba. Yeah. And you know, and even then, he wasn't at his peak. Yeah, you know? no, exactly. It took him learning from Jordan to figure out like what he can do to make, basically, make his career a lot like you know have longevity in his career. Because right, Jordan was at an age of getting pretty old after the two thousand season. He was like whatever, almost forty years old. And yeah, going know, to the Wizards, right? Yeah, when he went to the Wizards, but like you know, he still was averaging almost twenty points a game, and. Yeah, you know, everyone. Everyone says, "How does Jordan do it?" You know, he tells Kobe. Then gave this advice to LeBron: "Is start learning how to score with your back to the basket because you're going to save yourself so much energy, so much like just time in your career if you just learn how to score from back to the basket. Because if you're trying to score one on one every single time, like we are trying to make dribble moves and all this, dribble the ball up the court." Like your your career is gonna get dwindle fast. Yeah, and that's yeah. like that's a thing. Kobe, that's the thing. Jordan told to Kobe, and Kobe's told to LeBron. That's another thing. Like bringing it back to uh, another point, bringing it back to fundamentals is like your athleticism is gonna go as your career starts to go on. You know, you start getting into the your mid to late thirties. Like your your knees are gonna start to go, um, and just your whole athletic ability is gonna start to go. And that's where you want to really have your fundamentals develop to the point where like you said like you can change your game yeah no exactly michael jordan he perfected that that post fade that post fade became one of the most deadly shots in nba history then you saw kobe kobe perfected it and nobody could guard that when kobe did it and then we're starting to see lebron start to do a little bit but this season lebron's been a lot more point guard and you know obviously with lebron being fully healthy because of the rest and all that, because of this Corona thing, we're obviously seeing LeBron at probably his peak uh, of right now. Like, you I'm think? Like, you think this upcoming? Uh, I think I think LeBron's gonna ball out. Yeah. I I personally don't think they're as good as the Clippers. I personally think the Clippers are the best team in the NBA. But I think the Lakers have a chance. I think the Lakers are definitely a contender. I think they're definitely a top four contender, for sure. It's between them, Clippers. Bucks, and a lot of people are gonna laugh at me for this, but Toronto Raptors, I think, are 
the four, uh, the the other one because I think the Toronto Raptors is just a dark horse, man. Because tell me why. Tell me what you think about the Raptors. I just think Kyle Lowry's just you know he's a terrific leader. You need you just need good leadership when you get to the playoffs and big time. You know I think Pascal Siakam's turned into Kawhi 2.0. Not as good as Kawhi, so don't don't quote me on saying that. But <laughs> he's a top 15 player in the NBA easily, and you know they just have a bunch of just guys that know their roles. They got Fred Van Vliet who's a terrific scorer from the guard position. Norman Powell's a 16 points per game scorer on every night. Serge Ibaka just knows his role. I mean, Serge Ibaka's always known his role. Love that player. Serge Ibaka's always known his role. Yeah. He's on OKC Thunder, Magic, Toronto. He's he's known his role. That's a huge deal once you get to the playoffs, too. Oh, yeah. You know. Knowing your role. Role players. Role players, like, can step up when you need them to. And I feel like it happened this last year in the playoffs. With the Raptors, you know, they had a lot of guys that weren't supposed to step up, step up. I mean, Fred Van Fleet, I mean, he was, I mean, don't get me wrong. Kawhi obviously deserved the MVP for finals MVP. Right, right, right. But I think you could actually give an argument that Fred Van Fleet deserved, like, maybe a runner-up for it. Because Fred Van Fleet balled out. I don't think they would have beaten the Warriors, even even when Kevin Durant was out. Fred Van Fleet balled out in the finals. And in... The Eastern Conference Finals. Make the case. Make the case for his his Finals MVP. I'm not. I'm not gonna make that far of a case because I mean, <laughs> Kawhi is Kawhi is a bad man, dude. The Claw is a bad dude. Yeah. And, and when Kawhi is fully healthy, I think he's contending with LeBron as best player in the NBA if he's fully healthy. But, see, I, I personally don't see that. I'd have to watch more Kawhi film and games to to see that. And don't get me wrong, I think Kawhi is like top five, definitely. But I think, I think personally, from what I've seen from Giannis, I think Giannis is closer to LeBron than Kawhi is, personally. See, my thing is though, I think these three guys are totally different players. 100%. Because I think Kawhi's a killer. I don't think LeBron's a killer. I personally think LeBron has always needed that extra guy to be a killer. Yeah. Um, such as like Dwayne Wade when he was on the Miami Heat. Yeah. He had Kyrie Irving on the Cavs. And when he was first on the Cavs, why didn't he make go far in the playoffs like hardly ever? Because, you know. You do, need, you do need those other players, but I dislike, I think LeBron's decision, the, you know, the, the whole decision yeah. thing to go to the Heat changed the NBA, changed the course of how players operate within the NBA because after that like super teams and like having those oh, like yeah. having teams with multiple superstars became like a big deal and that's not that's not something that I think was a great course change for the NBA I, I personally would have liked to see LeBron stick with the Cavs and like be loyal to his team in the same way that Kobe was loyal to the Lakers and in the same way that Jordan was mostly loyal to the Bulls um, and so I Although I'm not a fan of of jumping teams and trying to bring other superstars to your team, I do think that you need other guys because, to, you know, to win Kobe's titles, Kobe had Shaq, and then Jordan also had, uh, you know, Pippen, Rodman, um, and some of the other role players that that like we were saying like knew their role and and were great at it. 
Yeah, going back to Kobe. I mean, Kobe had Pau Gasol for his two championships. And Pau Gasol is yeah. one of the most underrated players in NBA history. Yeah, big time. Yeah, like, people don't talk about him anymore. Like nobody talks crazy. about him. Because he, oh my gosh. Dude. He was a killer on the Lakers. Pau Gasol, dude, he was, he knew his role every single time he was like on a court. He knew whether to be the main scorer. He knew if he needed to get more boards. He, knew, he was, and he's also one of the best passers at that, at that big man position. Great pass. Oh my great, great at just court vision from with oh. his back to the basket. Guys cutting behind him. He'd make so many plays like that. No, because that was just frustrating. Because I was and, a Jazz yeah. fan back in the day. Oh, and we got. I think we played them in the Western Conference Finals at some point. Maybe one of those years. It was either the Spurs, or the Lakers. Um, but just frustrating is all get out that team. Yeah, and they always try to make the claim that Marcus Gasol was is as good, if not better, than no. Pau Gasol. And I'm no. like, Marcus Gasol's a good player. He's a good player. Marcus Gasol, by the end of his career, probably a Hall of Famer, just because he won Defense Player of the Year one year, and all that. But Pau Gasol was a bad man, dude. Boss. Like he was absolute boss. Like Kobe tries to give him as much credit as, as Kobe could before he passed away, man. Like R.I.P. Kobe, but. He gave R.I.P. It, Kobe for sure. He gave him Pau Gasol so much credit for the championship he won. He says, "I didn't just win it. I had Pau Gasol and Ron Artest or Metal World Peace." Oh my gosh, they did have Metal World and Peace. Ron Artest. Shout out to Ron Artest, dude. dude Crazy player. Talk about a guy who knew his role too. Just, just like beat up people. Yeah. Freaking hit hit some hit some threes. You know, scored ten to twelve points a game. And just like and just be physical, rebounds, yeah. play defense. Yeah, everyone tries putting Le- uh, saying Draymond is the closest thing oh. to Rodman. I think Ron Artest is the closest Ron thing Arte- to that's, Rodman. That's a, you read my mind there. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like I, I don't think like, Draymond wishes he was as nuts as Ron Artest and yeah, because they brought that Rodman they brought also. that attitude to the court. You know, like that's that's an intimidating. No matter who you are. Rodman right. and Ron Artest are intimidating players to go up against. Draymond Green is just a, I mean, let's I don't face think it, he, he's a crybaby, honestly. Yeah, I don't listen think, to him, he's complaining to the refs like 90% of the time he's on the court. I, yeah, I don't think he's intimidating. Good player, sure. Uh, intimidating, no. Not at all. See, I think Draymond Green is the biggest definition of basically being so good because of the system he plays in. Because we I think, saw I think a few of those Warriors players are like that. I would put Clay Thompson in that. Personally, I would put Clay Thompson in that category too. Yeah, I don't think I think Steph would be balling anywhere he plays. Steph is a great player. The other guys, good, but like you said, yeah, there's there's, there's work. I mean, don't get me wrong. Clay 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 would be good on most teams. Like, I mean, if you can shoot, you can play. I mean, that's one thing. College scouts told me, you know, if you can shoot, you can play anywhere. Yeah, like because everybody yeah, think, needs a shooter. Yeah, and you know we. We see this with Clay Thompson. That's what made the Warriors so deadly when they had. I'm doing it wrong. They had Kevin Durant, who's arguably the best player in the NBA at the time before his injury. Yeah. And they had Steph He's Curry. Had a strange career. And Clay Thompson. All three like are top five shooters in the NBA. If not top three, all three of them are the best shooters in the NBA. And that's where I kind of go into effect of saying Draymond. Like, how good is Draymond really? Because we saw what, what Draymond was when he, he didn't have. Clay Thompson and Steph wasn't very good. Yeah. And there I think you know, there's so few of those guys in the NBA that can be great without anybody. I think there's a few of them. Steph, you know, LeBron's going to put up numbers, but there's a lot of players that you just put certain guys around them and they start to shine, you know. Russell Westbrook. 
You think Russell Westbrook is in there oh, with, with uh, Steph and LeBron? I, think, I, I would agree. I think Russell. I like, Russell look, Westbrook. look at what Russell Westbrook did in his MVP season, man. Yeah, average a triple double. Yeah, put up. And the, this is why I, I made this. Him. I made this argument like a few episodes ago on my podcast. Russell Westbrook gets the most hate in NBA. I don't want to hear any LeBron fan say this because <laughs> yes, because LeBron does get some hate. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Definitely. But Russell Westbrook gets more hate than anybody in NBA history. This dude balls out every single night, gives 110% every single night, comes back from injuries faster than anybody else in NBA history because this dude just balls out, freaking gets healthy faster than anybody. He doesn't care if he's injured. He'll figure out a way to come back. And he averages a triple-double. And that, like, don't get me wrong, they had, everyone will make the case. Oh, he had... Victor Oladipo the year he won MVP. Victor Oladipo was not Victor <laughs> Oladipo at the time, man. Victor Oladipo wasn't like that until like the next season, like late into the next season. But he learned so much from Russ. If, you know, every play, there's not one player that will tell you that I hated playing with Russ. Not one person. I've heard plenty of people say I hate playing with LeBron. I've heard plenty of people hate playing with LeBron. Because yeah. the thing is, with LeBron, it's all LeBron. Like, that's all LeBron is as a person. Like, it's the LeBron know, show. It's just the LeBron Russell show. Russell Westbrook, it's not the same. And I think if Russell Westbrook had the type of personality that LeBron does, I think Russell Westbrook would get a lot more love. But Russell Westbrook seems to not want to play to the camera or, like, to the media. You know what no, I mean? No, he like plays he, for himself. Like he yeah, plays. He he's plays. not going to put on a face to, like, be this incredibly marketable guy, even though I think he could if he wanted to do that. But, yeah, if you look at his stat line, every time I look at that guy's stat line in a game, triple-double, 35 points, 14 rebounds, 12 assists. And it's like, why he's not getting the love as, like, arguably the best player in the NBA, I, I have no clue. You want to hear a Bleacher Report ranked Russell Westbrook in I mean, NBA players today? I would love to hear that. 22nd. That's ridiculous. 22nd. You want to know who was 10th? You want to hear who was 10th? Yeah. Chris Middleton from the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm gonna be honest. I don't. I don't. Know. Who does he? Who knows know. who Chris Middleton is? I, I don't Nobody. Know. I don't. And I haven't. I haven't been pay, paying as much attention to basketball as, as a lot of people, in the past few years. But I still know who a lot of these guys are. I, I don't know who Chris Middleton is. Chris Middleton is like don't get me wrong. He's an All Star. Okay, I will admit to that. But he's not a he's guy. Not Russell Westbrook. He's I know not that for sure. He's not Russell Westbrook. He he. I mean, dude, we're having him tenth, and hearing some of the other guys that were above him. Do you remember who the top? Oh five, who were the top five? Do you remember? Well, because Steph and KD were injured for a majority of the season. Well, KD was injured the whole season. Okay. Um, I believe it was Kawhi. Giannis was number one. LeBron was two, and then Kawhi was three, and then I think it was Luca. I know it was five. Which I I accept Luca was by far a top five player this year. Um, I'd be okay with putting him top five, but I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to per, think who the fourth was. Personally, I'm not, and I could sound incredibly ignorant right now, but I I, I would still put Russell like if if yeah if I had to pick a team, I would pick uh, Russell Westbrook over Kawhi. Like I, I, I want, as a, I want, okay. I got no Russell Westbrook's my favorite player. Yeah, you can like, dis- disagree with me because I. But I'm, I, I'm sorry, dude. I'm I'm not I'm not taking. I I love Russell Westbrook. He's I love that dude. But dude, to put him over, I would take Kawhi Giannis over him, and I would take LeBron 
maybe. I, I, I would I would be okay but, with Giannis and LeBron, but Dude, I just do. I think Kawhi, like, we're going to see it when the playoffs start, bro. Kawhi's going to yeah. go vintage Kawhi, and they're going to be in the finals. I'm sorry to let your Laker fans, but, like, Kawhi's the killer. And they got Paul George, who hasn't played fully healthy this oh, season. Yeah, that's true. And that's you're gonna, true. you gave Paul George four months of rest. Like, I mean, yeah, you gave LeBron four months of rest, but you gave Kawhi and Paul George four months of rest. Kawhi to just rest and not worry about basketball, you know, just do his own thing. And then Paul George to get his shoulder back into intact. Oh, I don't want to play against them. That's a great I mean, point. A lot of these guys are going to get a lot of time to like oh. heal their bodies up and and come back refreshed and renewed. It's going to be interesting to see. And not to mention, dude, the Clippers have by far the like, I don't know. Lakers got J.R. Smith, you know, Mr. Hennessy back. <laughs> J.R. Smith's a great player. Yeah, you know, he's a terrific player. But you know, that whole goof. You know, and I love how he gets all the blame for. That whole meme thing of him not knowing the score, him getting the rebound and not giving it to LeBron in the finals last year, or whatever it was, two years ago. But, you know, George Hill missed the free throw to win the game for him. And nobody talks about George Hill. But regardless of that. Good point. You know, Lakers, I just don't think they're as deep as Clippers. Clippers are just from 1 to 12. They're by far the deepest team in the NBA. They have all guys that could come in and get you 15 points a night. And Lakers, I'm sorry, they don't have that. Like, Lakers only have, I mean, they have maybe a third guy that gets you, like, 20. Like, Kyle Kuzma, if Kyle Kuzma is feeling it every once in a while on a night. He'll come in and give you 20. He'll give you 20. But outside of that, it's Anthony Davis and LeBron that run the show. Like, it's... God, talk about two. When your best two players are Anthony Davis and LeBron... You got a hell of a team. No, oh, yeah, they got a hell of a team, but it's just, but it's the just Clippers weird. Are, are are just deeper. I just think they're just overall. deeper, and I just like how Paul George and Kawhi play. Like I think LeBron takes a lot of possessions off when big time. When that, on that, the that's defensive one of the, end. Yeah, that's one of the annoying things that. Uh, one of the things that irritates me about LeBron sometimes is when I see him not like hustling. And it's just like, it's only irritating because he's so ridiculously athletic and so good to see him like walking around sometimes. It's just like, why? <laughs> like, why, why, why play like that if you have that ability? Oh, yeah. And that's, a, that, 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 that's why I have Kawhi as in that category. It's because okay, Kawhi, two ways, best player in the NBA. But best two way guy in the NBA. And I don't think there's a question. Giannis is the only guy that has. A, is a contender for that because Giannis does ball out on the defensive end as well, but Kawhi could shut down people. Right, like Kawhi shut down Giannis in the playoffs last year, and no one could shut down Giannis last year, but Kawhi was able to. Yeah, that's a big deal. And so that's why I think the Clippers are going to be scary once playoffs actually start. And they also got Patrick Beverly. I mean, who wants to play against Patrick Beverly, dude? Like nobody wants to play against Patrick Beverly, yeah, dude. Yeah, baller. And, you know, Paul George, who's a terrific two-way player. Kawhi, a terrific two-way player. They got Montrez Harrell coming off the bench, who's just a phenomenal six-man. And Lou Williams, who is king of the six-man. Yeah, He's I like a six-man god. Lou Williams is good. And, you know, they got a, just a bunch of guys that know their roles. I mean, they got, okay, I, I think they got Marcus Morris, not Markeith. Markeith, I think, is on the Lakers. Oh, yeah, one of the twins, did. right? Yeah, one of the twins. Markeith, I think, is on the Lakers. 
But I think Marcus is by far better than Markeith is uh, of the brothers. And honestly, I do think if the Clippers and Lakers play in the playoffs, I do think it will go six or seven games. I would love to see that. And I personally think that if it goes six, I think the Clippers are going to win it. Yeah. If it goes seven, I think it's like a toss-up. Hey, so what are the odds that they do go up against each other? I haven't really looked into how the bubble is going to work and like how they're going to select for playoff teams. Like, well, so they're going to play. They're going to play like eight games to decide the final spots. That's so crazy. Any team. So they they didn't just take eight and eight. They took also like for the the West. They took also I think it was five extra. So they they have like the eight teams already. Um, like, the so Grizzlies are the eight spot. Right. Then the nine, ten, eleven, because they have the same record. It's the Portland Trailblazers, Pelicans, and the Kings. And then they also brought two more teams. They brought the Spurs and the Suns. Because technically they have a chance to make the playoffs, even though statistically very unlikely. Especially the Suns. I mean the Suns literally would have to have like everybody lose. Like in that eight to like whatever spot, they have to have everyone lose like six to eight games, and they have to win eight games in a row. Probably not gonna happen. Probably not gonna <laughs> happen. So, statistically, just highly unlikely. But they just brought all the teams. And for the East, they only brought the Wizards. Um, okay. So outside so of the because like the Wizards are the only team with a statistical chance of making the playoffs. Out of the East. Out of the East. That's outside of the playoffs right now, and. You know, it's been I, like that for a while with the West being stronger oh yeah, team-wise. No. I don't think the East. the East has been... God, when's the last time the East has been really good? I don't know. It's that's, been a while. Man. Yeah, I mean, there's been good like single teams, but as far as a, a con- like the entire conference being deep and good, for my whole life, I remember the West dominating. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, there's always like a few good, really good East teams, but no, I don't think the East has been good. Like The conference being like more dominant than the West, I think, was, like, in the 90s when Jordan played. I think that's, like, the last time, really, yeah. the East was really good, top-down. Because, golly, dude, like, it always seems like there's one or two teams, and that's it on the East. Yeah, right? And then it's, like, I mean, I remember... Everyone else is a dark horse. Everyone yeah, else is a dark yeah. horse. Like, they have a chance, They have a, but, like, they're going to sneak up on people. It's not like, oh, they're going to be the best team. Yeah, I remember growing up and having and seeing like six seven eight seats in the east having like under 500 records and getting in oh yeah that, and just wondering like what that's the heck's the up with that and then you get a team that goes like that wins like 48 games on the west and they're like struggling for the eighth spot you know no, that exactly. dynamic is, has always been so strange to me no there's like the there's been plenty of seasons where like the seventh seed in the west if they were like in the east they'd be like the fifth seed if yeah in the east yeah. like it's just crazy how, like, the top four usually of the East are pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. Like, this season, you know, like, the Celtics are a good team. They're definitely, like, a contender, I would say. Like, they have a possible chance. Right. The Raptors, uh, I mean, the Pacers shock people by being, like, up in there. And then they also, and obviously the Milwaukee Bucks. Sixers are the team that kind of have been disappointing to a lot of people this year because... I mean, at home they're like one of the best teams in the NBA, but oh, on the road, on the road, on the road, I think the record's like ten and no, it's less than that. It's like eight and Kyle, it's like and 
thirty or something like that. It's, they're, it's, pre- they're a pretty young team though, right? They got some younger guys. Or are they starting to? Uh, I mean, Ben Simmons is still young. Ben Simmons is still young. Uh, Joel Embiid, I guess technically is still young, but Joel Embiid's always had those injury problems mm-hmm. with his knees and his ankles. And being seven foot two, you know, having knee and you know any leg issues usually a problem. It's going to be magnified because that height, yeah. So yeah, so but the West, you know, you got. You got the Lakers, Clippers, the Denver Nuggets, who are always going to be up there. Um, Utah Jazz. Jazz have had an interesting year, man. Yeah. They, they had a great beginning of the season, and then they started to like wobble out towards the towards the middle. Um, I like that team, though. I mean, that's always been my favorite team, personally, like growing up and everything. Hey, uh, my favorite team made the or the fifth seed right now. Yeah. And they're the biggest surprise in the NBA, boys, so I don't care what you guys say. OKC Thunder, fifth seed right now. And that's all because of the boy Chris Paul. And that's why, you know, when I was oh, doing, my, when I was doing my point cards, it was so hard to not get keep Chris Paul in it. Like, it was so like, – I, I had him as, like, an honorable mention. It was so hard not to put Chris Paul in there. But it was, like, between Steve Nash, Chris Paul, I'm like – Ah, that's rough. Oh, dude. Nah, I mean, Nash was, what, two-time MVP? Two-time MVP. It just, like, he was so fun to watch. God, like, he Nash was crazy, man. And, you know, you can't put him over John Stockton, who's the assist leader in NBA history. Uh, and you can't put him against – you can't you can't put him over Isaiah Thomas, who's, like, I mean, in, in Michael Jordan's own words, the second-best point guard in NBA history. And the thing about it, no other player beat Magic, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan. Yeah, I, I don't think Isaiah Thomas gets enough love. No, well, because he's, a, hate, he, he's yeah. a hated dude, that's why. Well, that whole team. Yeah. Just, yeah. Nobody likes that team. But then also, I couldn't put him again over Steph. Because I think Steph's already done enough to be... Oh, in, really? Oh, yeah. I think he's a two-time MVP and a unanimous MVP. Yeah. And, yeah, I guess And he's guess won that's... three titles. You know, he's And he's the best three-point shooter in NBA history. There's no, no question about that. But... And then you also obviously can't put him over Magic because Magic's Magic. No, not at all. Like I don't, I didn't even have to argue Magic. magic. I think Stockton. I, I think, I think there's. I don't a think leg- Stockton gets enough love. I really no, don't. No, I think there's a legitimate like argument or debate to be had with Stockton uh, and Magic, who's number one. Uh, but then beyond them and maybe Isaiah Thomas, it's like that's a tough like top three to break. No, exactly. Like that, that's a tough. That's a tough top. I mean, I didn't even have Jason Kidd in my honorable mentions. In all honesty, man, Jason Kidd was a great player too. But I mean, in, been in so my many opinion, great point guards. And I, I made this argument for my last episode, and I didn't want to get hate for it. But like, I personally thought Jason Kidd was overrated. In my opinion, I think. No, don't get me wrong. He's a top ten point guard in NBA history, and I said that before. But I don't think he does does what Steve Nash did. No, no, or, no. no, no, no. Like Steph has been doing, or Chris Paul. I mean, yes, Jason, Jason Kidd is there, but you're right. He had yeah, he, I, he just didn't do enough to no. I, I would honestly, put Chris Paul over Jason Kidd easy. I, I another player I put in honorable mentions was Tony Parker. I thought Tony Parker doesn't get enough love that he like he does not get enough. God, that's love another guy that's hard to. I mean, those Spurs teams were unbeatable. Yeah, he's, he, I put him in an honorable mention because I'm like, dude, Tony Parker. He was like the pioneer of the floater. Like yeah, where yeah. the floater became literally like his arsenal. Like no other player had a floater like in their like really really in their arsenal. Like really used it as like 
oh, I'm going to get this over somebody. Like, mm-hmm. don't run. Every, like, there's some players that have used the floater. But he, but made, he made it He made it, it like thing. his thing. Like, that was his thing. Like, he was so good at that floater. Great defensive player, too. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, if you're, you know, I just remember, like, seeing those Spurs teams play. And Tony Parker's a ridiculously formidable point guard. It's like, you put up, you put any guy against Tony Parker, they're going to have a rough time. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. The freshman knew what he was doing, dude. Yeah. Like, like yeah, like, you're not going to, there's nobody in the league, even whether it's, like, Steve Nash. I mean, I remember Steve Nash and Tony Parker going at it. Oh, yeah. Like, those were good matchups. Oh, yeah. And there was that whole, was that dirty play in that one year where uh, Robert Ory hip-checked Steve Nash into the scores tables. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And which forced Amari Stoudemire and Horst DL. Yeah, forced both them to get ejected because of that whole dumb rule the NBA had where as soon as you stepped on the court, you were suspended the game. Didn't matter what oh, was yeah. happening. Well... They implemented that after the Malice in the Palace, right? Yeah, no. But I still so think that's a little is, much. It's a little much. And that's why Amar- Amari Sotomayor and Boris Diaw didn't even do anything. They literally took one step on the court. And because they took one step on the court, they got suspended for game seven. It's messed up, too, because like when you see your teammate go down like that, oh yeah, like it's just going to be an instinctual thing to like get up and, and go towards the situation. So... Hey, I want to point some out. Give a shout out to Joe Dreisbach on this one. Yeah, shout out to Joe. But big time. S- I still remember summer league ball. This is junior going to senior. I don't even know why I still remember this. But me and Joe balled out that whole summer, and we were up against Lakita High School, so one of our one of our rivals in our in our league. And I went up. I I did this. I was in the post. I did a spin move, and this one kid. I don't remember who he was. Whatever, but. He pulled me by my by, by like my neck down to the floor, and I got up wanting to like. And I'm not that type of person, Tyler. You know me my whole like my whole life pretty much. I have, I have. And you know I don't. I never get timid on that kind of stuff. Like I would never like fight over something like that. But like, the way the guy like pulled me down from behind and stuff, I was ready to fight this dude. And Joe like full on like put like held me back and literally said like, he ain't worth it. He ain't worth it. And it was yeah. just, it was just funny to like when I think about it now. It's just like hear, just hearing Joe say that. It, it ain't worth it, dude. It ain't worth it. <laughs> you <And> need, just, <laughs> you need a teammate like that, especially when something goes down like that, because, you know, sometimes there's there are those plays where you get taken down, and it's like, there's just something that wells up in you, and you're just like, that did not, like this guy did not just do that. You yeah, know? exactly. And, and you need that teammate that's gonna come and cool you off, and you know. Yeah. No. Exactly. Like, I mean, you look at plays NBA players that. Either that will lose their mind. They always have that one guy that's kind of the the median of of the, all the energy. Like you know that where yeah. everything's the temper's up high, but then he's able to cool things down to like a minimal. Yeah, you need that guy. And I personally think I look at like a Chris Paul where Chris Paul, you know what? He's like yeah, he's he he plays it like a coach. In all honesty, like you watch him play basketball, it's it's basically watching a coach play point guard. Oh, he'll be he's a coach. Like, I can oh, see yeah. Chris Paul oh, being a coach easily. Great, yeah. I think most point guards should be coaches, for being honest, because usually point guards are... They're the coach of the floor. They, they're the you coach know, of the floor. That's the they, floor general. You know, they basically run everything. Yeah. And not to say that there aren't any point guards that, are, that are, aren't smart, because there are plenty of those, but, I mean, look at the top point guards. All of them know how to run an offense and know, like, Schemes of how to beat a defense, and that's what you need as a coach. So yeah, they're essentially the quarterbacks, you know. Oh yeah, exactly. Coaches on the floor. 
Golly, it's just crazy to me how coaches, you know, we were talking about this earlier too, how so many coaches only want like high school students to, or their players to play one sport. Yeah. And you know, it just it takes away like their opportunity to kind of like branch out or, you know, like let's face it, if you play other sports, you get a little bit more flexible in a way. Like big time, yeah, yeah. You, know, you develop you, different skill sets that that can exactly, and, and they play off. They all play off each other. Exactly. I, I've seen plenty of football players that were playing football in college, and now they're playing the NBA. And I've seen players that play in the NBA or not the NBA, sorry, play college basketball, Division One, and are playing the NFL. Because yeah. those two sports really go well together. <clears throat> and I personally think the sport that we're it pretty much goes into a lot of things is soccer. Because let's face it, in every sport, you really need a lot of footwork. And yeah, soccer yeah. is, like, literally the king of footwork, obviously. Soccer's all footwork. So, you know, you watch soccer. I mean, you, you listen to my dad, who's been a coach his, like, whole life pretty much. Yeah. He loves coaching soccer players. Because soccer players are going to listen to what you want them to do. And they already have the footwork. They're, like, that's what they've been doing their whole life is footwork and, like, you know, following bodies, basically. Like, you know, because that's what you do as a defender. You're, like, watching you watching the ball. You're watching, like... Yeah, like you're what, shadowing your yeah. your person that you're guarding. Yeah, exactly. Soccer and basketball are such similar games, similar skill sets. You're going to have similar, like, muscles that are engaged during the sport while you're playing. Um, and I think soccer players see the field in a lot of the same way that basketball players see, have to see, see the, the court. court. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why... My dad got Julio and Marlos on our on our team back in the day because like yeah, they're soccer players, and incredible additions that had never really played basketball. <laughs> um, you know, like maybe a little bit outside of like a formal setting, but great additions that you know adapted like incredibly well to the sport. Exactly, and you know we saw, you know, how much you know soccer players really just succeed in a lot of sports. You know, see them in football. You know, as kickers or whatever. You see them sometimes as wide receivers, too, just because their footwork is just tremendous. And the and, speed, you know. Yeah, like, soccer speed. players are doing a lot of sprints. Oh, yeah. And drills like that, like ag- like uh, agility drills. Oh, yeah. And know, I don't want to hear anybody in the, in, the, in the comments or anything say that, oh, soccer players are a bunch of pansies, a bunch of wusses and stuff. Because, I mean, yeah, a professional, like. <laughs> yeah, are sure. they? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm not saying they are, but, like, you know, you get into certain country, like. Country professionals, like that's just like a part of the game, though. Like, I, you know, it's just like. I, is there a lot of flopping in soccer? Yes. Is there also a lot of opportunity to get kicked in the shin and freaking uh, slide tackled? Or get, in, your, in your, get your ankle foot stepped on by a cleat? Yeah, like there's a lot of. Is there a lot of flopping? Yes. Is there also a lot of aggressiveness that goes into soccer that uh, like people don't talk enough about? Yes. No, exactly. Like, and you don't really see it because, you know, you're all, you're always just focused on the ball. No really focuses on, like, you know, what's happening. It's kind of like a water polo. Like, you, everyone thinks, you know, everyone kind of hears water polo is aggressive. Nobody knows until you play water polo how, like, legitly aggressive it is, like, to play water polo. Like, everything that happens, like, is under the surface. Yeah. Like, no, you don't see anything that happens underneath the water. 100%. Like, refs miss, like, Probably 70% of the things that happen under the water. Yeah, people are, like, grabbing your arms, like, yeah, holding you down, exactly. grabbing your suit, kicking you, like, stuff like that. Like, the only way you can really get, like, get a rest attention, because rest are above the... So they can usually see, like, the pool or whatever, like, what's happening. But 
The only way you can really get their attention is if, like, say you're swimming and someone, like, grabs your leg while you're swimming. And then you're just kind of, like, you're, you're taught to, like, kind of overdo it a little bit. Right. Right, like, show the ref what's going exactly. on. Exactly. You're supposed to show, like, you're supposed to kind of, like, splash. Like, you know, like, you know, you would splash really hard to get the ref's attention or whatever. In the same way you that know, you would react to a foul in soccer or basketball. Yeah, right? exactly. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to an extreme of like soccer where you know you're like flying off the field or something. <laughs> but about ba- I mean, basketball, like I, I, I honestly hate flopping in basketball. Like, I get you know if you're not getting a call or something and someone pushes you from behind, you kind of like a little like exaggerate it, like over exaggerate a little bit. That's one thing. But to watch people like. I mean, lots of people like LeBron, who's six eight. Yeah, that's that's and, that's another frustrating aspect of LeBron. And it's like two sixty, and like you got these small point guards that will go for a reach, and then LeBron will act like he got murdered. Like, yeah, there's I, a, that's that's the stuff where I'm like, come on now. There's a difference between drawing a foul. Like drawing a foul is a legitimate skill in basketball. You know, like yeah, being able to James go to Harden. The, yeah, like being being able to go to the hoop and and get the foul. There's a difference between that and faking the foul, you know. Like you said, if you're a if you're a physical specimen like LeBron where, you know, there's only a few guys in the league that can even stay with you, for you to be like acting as if their physicality is affecting you more than it actually is. It's just frustrating because we want to see like that excellence. We want to see the physical excellence of a 6'8", 260-pound mega athlete not be affected by the physicality of the sport, you know? Exactly, exactly. And once again, I want to thank Tyler LaSalle for being on the podcast of the Weatherman Report. And once again, I'm going to give a shout-out to my sponsor of this video. It's B-Ball Empire. If you use my code WEATHERMAN before buying any products, you'll get 25% off, and it'll help the podcast out a lot if you go buy something from the store there. And... Once again, it was great having Tyler Sal on. Known him since basically day one. It's one of my day one homies. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've known each other like our entire lives. This is great. And once again, I'm Brick Myers, aka the Weatherman. Once again, Tyler Sal, and I am closing off. And thank you for listening. <laughs>